Rational Writing. I'm Jay Starald. And I'm Alexander Wales. And this is episode 47, Time Skips. So, time skips, here referring to not uh, when you just kind of, you know, skip ahead during like a training montage or like a lack of action in the story where people are just traveling. There was a really good scene in one of your stories. I think it's worth a candle, but I can't actually remember it. It like just quickly goes over what it... Oh, oh it's um, Shadows of the, of the Limelight where it, the narration just like kind of like stops and goes like time skips are things that like this kind of thing happens and then like and time passes yeah i think it's only when he's on the boat and then um and then time passes yeah and like you just kind of assume you know what everything that happened in the meantime that could be like easily summed up yeah so not really those kinds of time skips but plot specific time skips well okay so um <laughs> let me introduce my two axis system that i came up with like Two, two minutes ago. Um, <laughs> okay. So on, on the one axis, you have how long your time skip is. And your time skip can be, you know, I, I think the longest that I can easily recall is maybe a canticle for Leibowitz, which is divided up into three books, and each of the books is separated from the others by hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, That's pretty massive, yeah. Yeah, but but each each book is sort of its own individual but related story that relates to the previous stories, not necessarily through characters or plot or, or things like that or whatever. So the second access is uh, what plot things you are skipping over. And I, I would I would say the most common type of time skip is we're, we're just assuming not that much happens, mm-hmm. right? I also think that's the most dangerous kind of time skip from like a writer's perspective. I mean, it's, it's easy in that so long as you execute right readers will generally understand it to be okay like nothing really important happened right but logically like dark wizard of donkirk has it, it has a couple time skips where it's just okay they take this baby in and then he grows up and he's like five years old now right and there you're, it, there's not a lot of like plot specific stuff that happens mm-hmm. in those five years and anything that is plot specific you'll get filled in on the more Dangerous time skips, in my opinion, are like uh, Sophia's traveling, and we get to see some scattered amount of that, but it, it, she spends like a week by herself. So you only get like a tiny bite of it. Mm-hmm. And then it's not that nothing is happening. It, there's some implied character growth during the time skip or some some like acclimatization right. to new circumstances. I think that that can be very dangerous if you are just skipping over character growth but sometimes you kind of have to right yeah you do like their first day in the new circumstance and then you show how they are like a month later and you're changing the character in the course of that time skip and you basically are just pointing the direction that they're going to be going and then you show them having arrived at their destination in terms of in terms of characterization Mm -hmm. or or growth or, or something like that also in terms of literal destination but it's the case for a lot of fantasy especially where travel time figures more heavily into it where you know people meet and we get to see like a couple days and then they spend like a week traveling together and they can't just be have not talked about anything during that week you know that's that's totally unrealistic and i think it's one of those things you can get by with to some extent Mm -hmm. right you can just people will just shrug and and they don't they don't see it on the page and so it basically didn't happen right you don't need to skip ahead with it but it's one of the things I think about a lot, in, especially for Worth the Candle, because they have these, they have this time chamber, right, that lets them 
just compress. They can spend a day. One day on the outside is like a week or a year or whatever inside. And you you don't just have people spend like a whole year with each other inside. Right. So the so the first axis is literally how much time has passed in between when you know you last wrote and when you start writing again. And the second axis is what important events or character development occurred during that yeah. during that skip. Yeah. Or or how how did the world change or right. w- whatever like what what is different yeah. right. So so we from these two axes we could create a little chart. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you have low time, low plot, that's just, you know, someone just says, oh, I went to the store and I got a, a bagel and I came back. Right. Right. That's um, if you have usually for travel times would be where you do low plot, high time. Yep. That it's like a week or a month or what, however the travel time works in whatever you're doing. Right. High plot, high time is. It's like five years later. Usually sequels. Everything's totally, yeah, sequels. There's a series called, by Gregory Keyes, called Newton's Canon. Or it starts with Newton's Canon, and it goes three books. But the third book is just like, it's so many years after the first one. Uh-huh. And I read the I read the first one, and I was just like, oh, this is, this is going to be great to see what happens next. And it's just like seven years later, and, and everything the, is totally different. Right, yeah. And it's it's this re reacclim reacclimatizing to these characters who are different, who are, and the relationships are different, and yeah, yeah. And then the, our last quadrant would be uh, low time, high plot impact. You usually see it as a smash cut. It's that old it, that gimmick that I have seen a ton and kind of still like, where people are like, oh, it'll just be like an easy in and out job. <laughs> and then they just smash cut to like him. He's bloody and he's missing a hand, and mm-hmm. it's like ah, twenty four hours later. Right, right, right. The one that will usually then be explained with uh, right. With, yes. Yeah. Usually you don't. Usually you skip over it to the end, and then you have it explained back to you, which is sort of it's a weird way to do it. I think it it, it allows for more of a like normally if you were to play it forward, right, and the person like goes into the bad guy's lair and like like you know, beats up a bunch of people and goes to a bunch of places and then finally, like, you know, leaves it, like, all bloody and, and, and beaten up and you just kind of, like, sit there with them. Like, that would that would be... Maybe it would take, like... Let's say it would take, like, 15 minutes of, of like, screen time. But if you just jump straight to the him coming out bloody and then someone's like, what happened? And basically you can just jump straight from, like, let's say three quick scenes inside of, like, the, the most important like, moments of what happened. Yeah. And all the kind of in-between stuff can just be kind of shuffled away. Whereas if you'd started that way and you just jumped from, like, one quick scene, from one important scene to another without that time skip, it would have felt a little bit more discordant. Yeah. It's like a it's like a narrative device. Yeah. Plus you get that, that nice dramatic irony yep. of you're, you're watching and you're just waiting for the moment when his hand gets chopped off because you know that's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you can play that for dramatic irony. Yep. So those are those are my four quadrants of time skip. I mean, we'll probably have to talk about explaining what happened during a time skip, which can vary wildly in like how much work that is, as far as you know how long it's been and what's developed in the middle of the plot. This this development and completing a narrative arc as part of a time skip it's always I, it's always dangerous, I think, in terms of maintaining tension and audience buy-in and investment and things like that because they, uh i mean it depends on to what extent you're doing it i think training montages are a little bit 
like that's a form of time skip. It's not a it's not a strict time skip because you're well in prose a lot a lot of times it's strict time skip because you can't do the thing that film does, which is just show you oh here's the guy and he sucks at this thing and here he's a little bit better and here he's the master right mm-hmm. that's harder to do in prose but it's sort of this this uh, segmented time skipping but if you just like take someone in and they suck at a thing and then you're it's like oh and then some time passed and they were good mm-hmm. at it I think most people would find that unsatisfying yeah I think so a lot of that was important that I wanted to clarify was that the, the idea of like showing the work it's kind of like you want to be able to see so part of part of what what makes improvement meaningful in stories is failure like there's always there's like there's always this idea that like if you just like have the character go through a time skip where they train for a bunch of time and they come out like with a higher power level or whatever it's just fine like whatever like they just they they move the plot along because they need to move the plot along but you learn nothing about their character you learned nothing about the type of training it is. Whatever, however unrealistic the, the system of, of power improvement is. Like, the idea is that, like, you're still learning something about the system. Like, whether it's, like, learning new spells or how casting spells works or, like, how to channel the energy or whether it's, like, actually learning fighting techniques and, like, actually learning martial arts or even, like, learning, you know, how to improve your, like, cooking or your, like, tennis game or whatever the, whatever the, the thing that they're improving at is. Like, the, the idea of, of showing improvement in a story so, kind of requires either some conveying of information about the system or the character actually, like, failing and overcoming that failure as part of their growth, right? Yeah. So when you just kind of cheat that by just having the the story, like, insert time frame come out stronger or come out better, it's not even, like, part of the story, really. It's just, like, a... Just kind of like, an, like a conceit. This is something that the author needed to have happened but i've but like they could practically speaking have not ha- had it happen and it wouldn't have mattered to me yeah it's the purest form of telling instead of showing and yeah it usually will probably irritate people yeah i think i think the same thing happens with character changes like character when, when you do a time skip of a few years one character has become like like super like broody and like you know upset about something that happened during the time skip or like one of the friendships has been broken because of like some perceived betrayal, and now they're like on the enemy's side or something. Or like a romance romance started that like didn't have any real like foreshadowing, or a romance was broken when everything seemed fine. It's like the author is just telling the audience like, okay, this is the thing that's happening now, and it's like, okay, but you didn't show us why any of these things happened. We didn't learn anything about the characters because all this happened. It's just a lot of tell instead of show, and it it ends up breaking the immersion in the story making you have to reacclimate to like, okay, where what where are we now? Why is this happening? It's just frustration, really. Yeah, I, I think the rules are very similar to the rules for starting a story in that you can start your story in the middle, but then you have to kind of explain the things leading up. And if you're not going to explain the things leading up to it, you, they sort of need to be made obvious to the reader mm. or they need to be part of the mystique that you're going for, I guess. I have a couple of rules for time skips, um, which I do, I do them semi-frequently and work the candle. I did quite a few in Shadows of the Limelight, mostly because there's like travel time. It's, mm-hmm. uh, early modern era is, is not very fast. The first rule is that you are sort of, you always get out of the time skip with an inciting incident. Or mm-hmm. Sometimes that's as simple as, 
characters arrive at a new place, right? And that's the inciting incident for the new thing that's going to happen. And sometimes it's a, it's like a conversation. It's whatever is kicking them out of this routine that they're in that you're sort of getting over. Mm-hmm. Right. That it's there's some reason for you to be out of that time skip now, and this is the inciting instant that has gotten you out of it, and sort of points us in the direction that we're going to go now. I guess when I think about time skips, I think about them in terms of what course you're on, and the reason that we do time skips mostly is to show that someone has stayed, in terms of plot, usually has stayed on a steady course, like literal or metaphorical, mm-hmm. for for a long time. So. You, you want that inciting instant at the, when you come out of the time skip to sort of turn the course in some different direction. And maybe that's obvious in what that inciting instant is. And maybe it's not obvious from the outset that, you know, why, why we're getting out of the time skip if mm-hmm. the character is describing a sort of normal day, right? Yeah. There's this scene in uh, Harry Potter and the Natural 20 the second book, I think, where the scene starts and Milo like immediately notices that he's just come out of a time skip <laughs> and realizes it means that like the plot is starting again and starts poking around to see if anything important might be happening. I, uh, I really like the way Milo described his perceived differences between fast-forwarded time as a character in an RPG or story versus being in like a present current scene. Right. It's the same as with the with starting story, right? Because you're, right. you're basically restarting your story. Yep. Um, and then so when you go into the time skip, I always think of that as you need to show what course they're on. And ideally, you do double duty there where you show them turning from whatever course they were on before that. Right. So your character is going in a particular direction. And then right before the time skip, you alter course just a little bit mm-hmm. and show that what course they're going to be on through however much time is going to pass in the time skip. Mm-hmm. Um, ideally, that's sort of a day in the life type thing. You're sort of giving them, you're giving the reader the understanding of, first of all, what life is going to be like for the character during the time skip. And second of all, how they will be, how they will be changed coming out of it, if at all. And sort of what the purpose of that time skip is, I guess. Right. Right. Cause if you send your character off to be like a monk or something, mm-hmm. and then you're going to time skip through all like a year at the monastery, you want to show the first day to show sort of what life is like and then how it's going to challenge this character or sort of what their course through the monastery is going to be like. So you want that little turn in the course to make it interesting to, to hear like one day in the life. Right. I guess. And then you can just skip over that year, assuming, you know, maybe dispositions change over time and then they can be summed up as things not fully deserving a scene. That's also kind of how I think about time skips is is like things that just would be filler if you wrote them out. Yeah. Harry Potter in general actually does time skips really well, particularly over the summer when Harry has a good reason to be mostly static for a few months until the later books, but uh, also during school years as they get into like the routines of the classes after setting them up. Yeah. A lot of the best forms of time skip used, I think, are often for things like travel. When a routine sets in and nothing important happens... Uh, when when people are going to be talking but not about anything like meaningful, when there's just a lot of, I think when the author where the author really needs to think about what's going on is more if they've given the characters something that would really occupy their time enough. Yeah. 
like some something that would really like take and take enough of their attention and time away from quote unquote the important things that there's no real reason to have anything important come up in that time period. Yeah, I, I sort of think about it as um, in terms of pacing too. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons that you would employ time skips, not just in terms of like plot, that is like what happens uh, in the story is is you want to con- you want to skip over time because sometimes that interferes with the pace of the story you're telling. Yeah. And then sometimes you, you want to include stuff that is filler in some sense of the word. You, you want to include some of that just to allow a breather between important plot events. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It, it sort of depends on what, where in the story you are in terms of plot and then where you are in terms of pacing as well. Right. And, and I think one of the times that time skips sort of get abused especially in film, which is where I notice it most often is, you know, they have this like big action scene or whatever. And it's like, Oh God, we got to get the thing back. And then they just cut immediately to a place that, you know, it's like 11 hours away by plane. Yeah. And it's like, well, obviously you don't want to show them like driving to the airport, you know, getting tickets, whatever. Um, And you don't want to show any downtime, Mm -hmm. even though logically there's a ton of downtime. You don't want to show any of that because it, it dampens the mood that you're going for and, and it, it ruins the, the pacing that they're, they're trying to set. Right. As well as, you know, just taking up screen time and being expensive and stuff. So there's this, there's this really funny thing that, like, once you notice it, like, it's hard not to see it every time it happens. Where And, and some things have started, like, pointing it out in, like, a self-aware way. Uh, com- comedies have started pointing it out in a self-aware way. Uh, where someone will say something and then time skip and they'll keep talking or like finish finish a sentence or like yeah complete like thing and it's just like what what did they say what how like what did they just like were they just silent for the entire like conversation up until this point like how is this this doesn't make any sense like you're 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 insisting on two different um timelines that are occurring at the same time one where they're communicating and one where they're moving and the the way what, what i think reflects really is this idea of um, not only is travel boring, um, but conversations are conversations that are plot important can can only happen on screen, and that means you need to build settings for those, like you need to build scenes for those conversations, and that means you need unrealistic scenes. For example, the the planning the heist scene. It always happens at the either when like, when everyone's at the base when they're like going over it, or like happening as things are happening. Like, as the heist is happening, right? People are describing it as it's happening, like, with, with some visual to go along with it. Books don't have as easy a time doing that. So what you'll what you'll get is a lot of scenes where people are, like, surprised at things that they should already have talked about. Yeah. Or there's just things that, like, they had this whole, like, a whole conversation about a relationship, for example, where, like, someone's like, you know, we need to discuss this like conflict between you and another character uh, and when will that conversation happen invariably it will happen either during a travel moment because it's like a good moment for people to have downtime and, and just kind of like have a conversation with nothing else going on but if there's no travel available for it you just kind of have to have like that like people sitting at the table or you know like they're just like eating a meal and like the conversation is the point of the meal the or the conversation is the point of them like sitting at the table or something but it's not really a dynamic kind of scene. You know, like you can only have so many people sitting at a table having a conversation scenes. So sometimes it just feels like these these like important plot moments get 
kind of like shoved into scenes that don't really fit them very well. Yeah, I, I think part of it is also an impetus to have a scene do multiple things. Yes. Because because yeah. someone heard that scenes should do multiple things. They should, you know, drive characterization, drive plot, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you just sort of smack stuff together, even though logically that makes no sense right. for, for what these characters would actually do if they existed in the real world. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously some people do leave their interpersonal problems until like a critical moment when right. everything is just, you know, you get in a car accident and that sparks all the drama already existing in your relationship. Or whatever, but those are for very specific sorts of characters. Yeah, and pacing-wise, it's like there's a bunch of conversations that need to happen. The audience will often not like it if you just have like one big conversation after another, even if it's all during a travel time when it would make sense for the characters to do all that. Yeah. So there's there's like all these different pressures on the story and the and and the writer to get everything uh, out there, but also have it be compelling. And so you get a lot of time skips where. You can cover some of the bases, but other ones just feel like they fell through the cracks. And that's, I think, where the major challenge lies. For example, with, like, someone has a power, right? And they need to practice this power and, like, figure out things about it and experiment with it and all these different things. If at any point there's a time skip of more than, like, a few weeks and they didn't have some good reason not to experiment with their magic in that time period... Like, you just kind of get this feeling of, like, that time skip felt like it was meaningless, in a, in a sense. Yeah. And, like, it's really good if you're, if you're writing a story where there's, like, training that can happen in that time period, or reading a bunch of, like, the, like the character just needs to know a lot of knowledge about the world that they're in that they didn't already, or something like that. Uh, something repetitive that they have to do. But every, every discovery should happen on screen. Which means, again, you'll get a lot of situations where either uh, the pacing of the story is slowed down so that you have, like scene after scene after scene of experimentation or the experimentation or the discoveries happen in the in the heat of the moment when a more intelligent and rational character which the character may be like presented as should have done that like earlier yeah way earlier there is i ran into that problem in in north candle Mm -hmm. early on because there's like this time where as, as an author i can just press on to the next thing with giving them no rest and no time to talk or i can just have this info dump happen there would be like 60 pages and I can just sort of skip over it or mostly skip over it mm-hmm. and just give like bare details that are, will be revealed to the audience later. And I chose to do that because I didn't want to write 60 pages of just conversation. Right. I, that would just, I, I would think that I would find that boring to write and I would think I would find it boring to read. Although there is something that, that is compelling about that to just be like, okay, let's just do 60 pages of like, these, these two people have a week together. He's from Earth. He's in a fantasy world. Why, why doesn't he just have everything outright revealed to him? There's no reason for him not to ask all these questions. There's no reason for her to not answer all these questions. So why would they not have that conversation, you know? Mm-hmm. And I felt like it needed to happen off screen just for pacing, mostly. I do consider that a sin, I guess. Or it's at least complicating. Yeah. Right? Because then you... You have the narrator explaining these things rather than having them be diegetic explanations given to your fish out of water, right. I guess. Which is how you would traditionally do that, right? You wouldn't, well, I don't know. It's, it's sort of like you take the fish out of water thing and you remove like 90% of the reason to even do that, mm-hmm. I guess. But it, it, it is one of those things where I, I, I do agree that you need to have, you should have stuff on screen 
because that's like the, that's not just the interesting stuff, but it's the plot changing stuff. I just it's it's difficult sometimes. I mean, the situation I put myself in was not a great one mm-hmm. as far as like there there's a lot of stuff that needs to be told told to him or that he would ask about logically, like more than could actually be covered. Because if it were like ten pages of talking, then maybe, but like the world is supposed to be so big and vast and there's supposed to be like 200 species and like 30 or 50 or whatever types of magic that to actually do all that stuff, you basically just have to time skip and say, all right, he got an info dump. He got a bunch of exposition. He'll tell it to you when he thinks it is relevant to the story rather than you just getting right all of it up front right or or just the plot important stuff up front which i would think would be worse right because because then it, it's basically just telling you ahead of time all the stuff that's going to be important through the whole rest of the yeah. book yeah relationships are another another thing where like obviously there are ways to do it that like are better than others there is a great scene in Wizard in Glass, the fourth Dark Tower book series, uh, where Roland is describing... Most of the fourth book is a flashback, and Roland is describing his first love. And he says something like... Like, he, he, he just got to the point where he describes how he and his first love, like, first decided, essentially, to have sex and, and like, become a, a couple and all that kind of stuff. And then, like, flashes back to the present day when everyone's just kind of, like, listening to him around the campfire as he tells the story. He starts the next part of the story with, True love is boring. And everyone's like, what? What are, you, what are you talking about? He's like, he just smiles and says, and then the next scene starts with, true love is boring. Like, to the people in the relationship, everything is new and exciting. And like, they're learning about each other and having all this, all these different like interactions for the first time. Maybe they're learning to live together or maybe they're learning to like, talk honestly and openly with each other. But the, to the outside world, like a, a happy relationship where everything is going great, both people are in love, tends to be very one note. Yeah. Right, it's that kind of saying of like happy families all the same, unhappy families all unhappy in their own way, something like that. Yeah, which isn't exactly true, obviously, but it's very like it's indicating the idea of like peaks and valleys and experiences where there's a huge space in which things can go wrong, but very few end states or or states of being where things are going right. And this is, I think, something that people struggle with when talking when 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 doing relationships well and having time skips occur because you can only really do a time skip in a relationship when everything's going well if you do a time skip when the relationship is still kind of forming or like there's like still conflicts in the relationship it comes off very much you just kind of force these people together and it doesn't feel earned and i think that's where a lot of a lot of time skip relationship like problems come from uh because now you've got like first you have these two characters who maybe before the time skip weren't together and then after the time skip, they are, and you're just like, okay, well, I have no investment in this relationship. Yeah. I have, I have no reason to, to, like, care about them being together. I have no reason to think that they are good together. Uh, it's like, it's just like, like you said, like, it's like starting a story where these two people are together. And it's like, okay, you've told me that they're together, but I have no reason to think that they are. And good relationships in fiction, which we're going to do an episode on sometime soon, hopefully. Like, they need some kind of conflict. They need some kind of, like, the exploration of, like, how the characters get along and, like, how they overcome their differences and all that kind of stuff. And a time skip just kind of, like shoves all that off screen so in order to do a time skip with relationships well i think you need to first get to a point where everything is going well but if there's still a lot more going on especially near the start of the relationship you will inevitably come up come across these situations where it's like what like they never 
they never like encountered that problem before now like why why is this the first time this is coming up and all that kind of stuff yeah i think i think you can do it to some extent if you show the problem Mm -hmm. or whatever it is and then show them not dealing with it Right, right 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 so so you can have like they carefully avoided avoid the problem for the next like three weeks and that's just a thing that's mentioned yeah like how they how they kind of dance around the issue yeah, and ideally, I mean, ideally, you have you show the relationship when it's going through a phase change, I guess. Like, if you were showing the whole relationship, if you're doing like a like a John Irving thing where you just show the whole lifetime of someone, right? Mm-hmm. You would show first meeting, maybe first date, if that's a distinct thing. You you would show them like finding themselves happy together mm-hmm. as like couple then you showed marriage and sort of like settling in and then whatever like big fight they had maybe yeah it's sort of like when you think about i'm going to take this 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 sort of course of this relationship and i'm just going to do 10 scenes you want to put those at the biggest course changing moments or the ones that most are most emblematic of a specific time but it's it's it is one of those things it's hard in fiction to show recurring problems i guess like if there are two people who just have the same fight several times and it's always the same fight you don't want to show that fight you know two or three times unless you have like a really long running work but you don't want to just be like oh yeah this is like the third time and it's hard to sell that right i guess i think there's there's also this this thing of once characters have gotten comfortable and work well together in a relationship or just like not not even a romantic relationship at this point. I mean, just like general friendship and, and partnership and stuff like that. It's good to be able to time skip to important points in the relationship. There is this thing that I see happen a lot also, though, in time skips where literally nothing new occurs, right? Like the relationship is exactly the same from one end of the time skip to another. Yeah. And that I think that also trips like a sense of of like if you if you're kind of paying attention, it trips a sense of like really like. Like, nothing changed, like, nothing happened new, like, there's nothing uh, between them that, like, like, maybe they'll make references, so I guess that's that's fine. Like, like movies, like, sequels usually will do this, where it's just, you know, there's that scene that gets quoted a lot in, in the Star Wars prequels, where, like, you know, Anakin has grown up, and, like, him and Obi-Wan are in the elevator making jokes about their past adventures. But, like, that's something that I feel like is more to cover the fact that they've grown in their relationship together. But what you don't usually see is the changes when, like, the relationship has mostly stayed the same and, like, changes have occurred. And so what you get a lot of times is, like, characters who will be friends and the time skip occurs and they're still friends. And there's nothing in the intervening time that caused any kind of conflict between them or made them, like, try anything new together, maybe, unless it's, like, summarized or something like that. And that's usually fine unless it's something comes up in the plot that makes it, like, matter. And so, like, you'll get something like, oh, this was, like, their first, like, major fight or something like that. And it's, like, like how long a friendship... How long how long can two people be in a friendship without, like, a major fight occurring? Right. Or something like that. You know, like, like there's, there's just little things that should happen in a friendship over a long enough course of time. But it usually doesn't, like... It doesn't usually, like, happen off-screen for, for the reasons we've already discussed. And you have to have it happen on screen, but it has to happen on screen in, in concurrent with, like... It has to happen on screen concurrent with plot things happening. Yeah. Which is, like, what we mentioned earlier about having things, like, do double... Do, scenes having scenes doing, like, double duty and triple duty and stuff like that. Like, plot events occurring does character development duty, too. Yeah. And you can't have one without the other, unless you're writing, like, a slice of life or something, where the plot is literally the character development. Yeah. I, it's It's very... 
it's very interesting the demands that are placed on on specific times, yeah. right? Because you don't just want to be skipping around willy nilly between like different. I I kind of do that in Dark Wizard Dunkirk to some extent, right? Henry and Sophia are born. They're both five years old. They're both ten, and then they're both sixteen. And the story actually kind of starts there. So it's it's regimented, but it's sort of each one is meant to be a slice of life. But I've been told by multiple people that that's not a great thing to do. Feed through things in in terms of time skipping forward. I have trouble with it in Worth Candle too, as far as when when it is appropriate to time skip and how much time you can actually skip because you need to mm-hmm. you know obviously things happen during a time skip and you'd like to get your characters to a place where nothing is really changing that much but you can't always you can't always do that right they should be different characters after like a week right if, if they're trying to learn and grow and and do new things it's, it's hard to get everyone parked i guess yeah. Is how I would put it. It's hard to get everyone parked, but you don't want to spend so much time sort of mired in all these littler things that aren't part of the, you know, that aren't as exciting, I guess, Mm -hmm. or that aren't as momentous to the plot. That are just like small things. It's one of the, I, so I always try to do for time skips. I always try to do things that are emblematic of what is happening during that time. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with doing a month long time skip so long as we get enough that you understand what life is like or what life was like during that month that we skipped. But to some extent, you have to sort of if you're going to do that, you have to skip over some character growth and you have to hope that you've just pointed out like these are what the pressures are. And this is sort of in the direction that things are moving. Right. So. It's so much easier with travel than it is with actual, like, character growth or character regression or whatever, mm-hmm. right? It's so much easier with travel because you just say, oh, and then we set off on our merry way to wherever. And then you get to the end and you're like, oh, and then we arrive, right? Mm-hmm. So I do think if you want to show those, like, sort of building, mounting things, and you're doing it across a time skip, you have to sort of show what is brewing and then hope that that's that you've given enough signs when you get right through the time skip that yes this is something that either the characters saw coming or that the readers could see coming because of how the scene played out yeah and obviously the readers know that scenes are or should be important right so the reader knows that uh this isn't just a random scene that they're reading it is signaling something something to them as a reader right it might just be a typical day for these people, but it's it's being selected specifically to give some impression. And you have to hope that readers are cognizant enough of the artificial nature of what is chosen uh, across these spans of time to sort of cotton on to it's like, oh, this is pointing to the fact that there will be problems that will be in the inciting incident. Yeah. Like a month later. Yeah, this is very much. So this is this is very much the author's like building a domino set. And then tipping the first domino over and then cutting away and coming back to it. And like, just they've, they've built it well enough that everyone can just see the next domino, like knows that the next dominoes being hit are ones that are going to be hit. 
I was going to say Rube Goldberg machine, but that's like, like you usually can't predict what's going to happen next on one of those. Uh, so you don't want to build a Rube Goldberg machine in, in your plot necessarily. But like you, you, you're built, you're setting up the the things that once the things start tipping over, like once the things start happening, you you can pretty much predict what's going to happen next during the time skip. Yeah. I tend to not like time skips because most of the time they are used kind of as ways to just jump from one part of a story to another that feels disconnected. Like if it had been happened, if it had happened through a completed plot point, if it had happened near the end of a book or, or like series or season or something like that, it makes much more sense, obviously, to do a time skip that. But when it's usually like mid mid story, the times when I do enjoy time skips or do think they're done well tend to be ones where they're at the beginning of the story because things are all still being set up, right? Like it makes sense to still be setting the plot up and doing time skips to give some background on like what's what's what set off what sets off the plot yeah, yeah i think those make a lot more sense i think those those tend to be justifiable to readers much more like you you get to the point of like okay we're we're still in the in the setup phase we don't know any of these characters that well yet we don't know like what the plot is quite quite clearly yet it's okay for time skips to happen because we're getting to the good parts but this stuff is still important the the traitor baro cormorant it has it sort of goes through like these are the important things in her life, and and it just time skips forward to sort of give you background on the character, which I think is very hard to do, sort of right out the gate, you know, mm-hmm. to give backstory on a character within the text. It's so much easier to just do one scene of like this was an important thing, and like this is how it changed this character, right. and that aspect of how it changed them is that's that's what's going to be important and also it's going to be one of the focuses of the text mm-hmm. right it's the death of a loved one it's i don't know a horrible injury or something like that and we get one scene of that and then we time skip into the proper story right where, where that's sort of like the influencing factor in the background right those i think i think in terms of advice for this i think the main thing i would say is is also you you get a lot of you get a lot more leeway with time skips when you have clearly set up why the time skip ended where it did. I mean, why the time skip began where it did and why it ended where it did. Yeah. And like th- this comes in the form of something major just happened in the plot that justifies a time skip or something major just happened between the characters that justifies a time skip. Something where you can have a genuine break in the plot structure of, you know, Rising action, climax, falling action, all that kind of stuff, you know, and and th- this usually means that when you then pick things back up, yes, like some things should should have changed, and yes, some like, that should be clear, but without a major plot occurrence taking place for all that happening, like while all that's happening, without a major plot being in motion while all that's happening, it's okay for that to happen. And if the characters don't see each other in that time period, that also helps a lot. With the whole like like why haven't they been encountering more things together and like growing in their relationship and stuff like that, which again like if everything's going fine in the relationship, it's okay to, to do a time skip. It's just there will usually be some things that you can include in a time skip that you can you should mention after the fact to make it clear that like yes they weren't just in static this whole time they weren't just like in a block of ice or if things majorly changed, which is the alternative like you know extreme example those those things that change between them should have been set up ahead of time and you should be able to see them coming. And if not, if they were like something that really came out of nowhere, that's got to be like the major part of the story, like figuring out why. You can't just like have these two friends like just stop being friends and never talk again and just never explain what happened, right? Right. But if that but if that is something that ends up like 
being described and having an occurrence and that kind of thing, like you you just you kind of you kind of have to borrow some reader credibility, or like you have to hope that you've built up enough reader credibility that you can then pay it back until that happens. Because in the meantime, they're going to be like, like, what the fuck happened? Why is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of the same as as when you start the story in the middle. Yeah, I think that is a tricky thing to do also but like starting in the middle is very subjective as far as that goes but uh, you can do time skips like that where you're sort of starting in the middle of things and then you explain things backwards it's and you sort of backfill the time skip mm-hmm. which is one which is one way to do it it's not i don't know i think that's kind of getting a little fancy with chronology for no good reason <laughs> yeah or for I don't know, for debatable reasons, I guess. There are good ways to do it, obviously. It's like, none of these are like hard and fast rules like all writing. It's just execution combined with, like, forethought. Yeah, more and more of the opinion that execution can save almost anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you want to talk examples? I think uh, the only other thing that I was thinking about was extremely long time skips, which are a, I think, one of, a favorite of mine, mm-hmm. where, where you just are like, Going straight on to the next generation. The, this is the inter-series usually, what I would consider the inter-series time skip. Uh, so Avatar The Last Airbender to Legend of Korra is probably the most common one. There's like a few characters that are still alive, which, you know, like very, very, a few like long-lived characters that are still alive. Um, but for the most part, new characters, this happens with for the Mistborn trilogy and then like Alloy of Lost starts, you know, like a yep. hundred years later or something more than that, probably. I don't even remember. Yeah, it it is most common if it is a story that is told in the same setting, yep. but which doesn't necessarily follow in terms of story structure. Like Mistborn, the trilogy is a complete trilogy. It's not it's not like setting up a narrative arc yeah. for later. I, I find it very interesting in the in the few cases that I can think of where it's been done, like in the middle of the book. There's a Neil Stephenson one. Where the moon blows up. <laughs> I, think you, I think you've talked about this one before. <laughs> yeah, but it's basically divided into. I sorry, I need to look up the name. It it is literally on my shelf, like six feet away. But all the only thing it says on the spine is Neil Stephenson in giant letters. <laughs> That's not helpful. Uh, it is not helpful at all. Seven E's. Okay. Basically, the moon blows up. First two thirds of the book are uh, there. Sometimes skips in there, but it's it's largely about the first year after that happens right. it's like people have to like flee and they're in space and whatever i'm guessing there's no character focus while this is happening um right it stays it stays broad like what society is doing or what like populations are doing or something yeah well it, it is character focused but each of those characters i in my opinion i don't know if this was deliberate design but um, each of those characters is sort of meant to show one aspect of society. Okay, yeah, that's so. So, like one one engineer, one scientist, one politician, and these people are all looking at the problem. And you have, I think, maybe two or three like normal people mm-hmm. who, are, who are showing different aspects of it. Okay, but so so these are characters that are consistent throughout the story, like the perspective of states. Well, on for there? the first two thirds of the book uh-huh. is basically that, and then. This is like mild spoilers for seven years, but the last third of the book takes place a thousand years later. Got it. Yeah. Um, which is one of the notable things about the book. It gets flack for that because <laughs> obviously that's a weird thing to do. It's essentially, I haven't read the book, but I'm, I'm assuming it, it frames it in such a way that the plot has kind of finished in the second, in the two thirds. And then like the, the, the last third is kind of like a long view, kind of like short plot 
near the end. Just yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's very common. If you're going to do it like a, a time skip long enough that you're on to the next generation, mm-hmm. I think it's very common for it to be structured as independent or only loosely related stories or two stories that are sort of going at the same right. theme, I guess. But uh, that's one of the reasons I find it so interesting. I guess that it's the same for inner series time skips yeah. too, is that they are, they're set in the same world. They're probably about similar things, but they're, then they're two separate stories, but you can structure it such that you have one, you know, novel length thing divided up into basically three novelettes. I mentioned a canticle for Leibowitz before that that's three different stories, each separated by a couple hundred years mm-hmm. or something like that, that are, have the, they have some through lines and there's a close thematic connection between the two of them or, or between the three of them. But there's not a continuity of character and not really continuity of plot. It's just sort of, I wish I knew music theory better, but the way that you have, a symphony that's arranged into movements and those movements are different distinct pieces, but they are all meant to go together. Right. Mm-hmm. That That's sort of, I, I don't know. I've, I find it very interesting. I'll probably do it someday. Like a book that's split up. I actually had, I had an outline for one. It was called the gift and the burden. It's about magic and nuclear weapons and stuff, but it was split up along generational lines and then the idea in, at least in plotting was that each would be thematically related to the others and would show sort of different perspectives on things. I think it, the plan was you, you have two protagonists who are like both opposite sides of their society. And then you, you skip ahead to their grandchildren and then you skip ahead to their grand, grandchildren's grandchildren and you sort of do a, you sort of structure your plot so that the great great grandchildren are uh, completing a conflict that started in the first book that doesn't get like fully resolved at the end of that of that first like you know mm-hmm. I think in outline it was supposed to be like thirty thousand words for each and you go through the plot there and it's sort of the conflict continues on even though none of the characters are the same. Yeah. And the society is different. Yeah, it, it makes sense It makes sense in stories where the plot is, is a multi-generational plot. Um, and, and, that, and for that, I think, I think that's probably the most natural frame for a time skip to occur if you're talking about really long time skips because you, like it, it makes intuitive sense for characters who are ultimately just like a part of a bigger thing that will take many, many... like you know, generations to accomplish each, each kind of having their moment in the, in the narrative weight and then leaving it. It's really just a matter of like, that's, that's like, it's like a whole different set of, of challenges now though, in terms of like making the characters like likable and like relatable and enjoyable enough in their, in their brief time, making sure that they're like, their participation was meaningful. Like, why are they being focused on just like a sense of progression between the generations? It's one of those kinds of stories where, usually like the main character might be like a city or something or like a you know like an organization or like almost like yeah. the 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 accomplishments being like the achievements being wrought are are maybe by individuals but like the 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 unifying theme between all of them would be a family or a city or a town or an organization of some kind uh and you just kind of see how they continue to accomplish things between 
between generations. And I know, you know, a lot of a lot of sci-fi stories obviously will do this also because there's like threats on a planetary level or like a colony ship like has to be used of some like you know there's there's like things that happen on time scales long enough where you really need to do a time skip it's, yeah. just, it's just a lot rarer in, in other kinds of speculative fiction yeah i think that's all i have yep me too that's it for time skips for now uh, i think the next episode will probably be something about like relationship romance relationships in fiction or uh ideological turing tests for characters uh, we'll see what happens. Thanks for listening. Hope you tune in next time. Goodbye, audience. Okay. <laughs>